0: Hello, and welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. My name is Jimmy McLaughlin, and up until last year, I was advising the Prime Minister on business, specializing in entrepreneurship and technology. This podcast is designed to recreate a Prime Ministerial-style briefing, distilling key points from half-an-hour interviews with entrepreneurs, specifically asking them about where the jobs of the future are coming from. With jobs and careers becoming one of the biggest topics of 2020, this podcast is designed to bring those conversations to a wider audience. Whether you are just starting out on your career, transitioning, or even a bit longer in the tooth, I hope you'll find these conversations thought-provoking about where our economy is going. Every podcast asks, but please rate us, share us on social media at Jimmy's Jobs. Onwards to today's episode. Welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. Today's guest is Izzy Beng, who created Foundervine in 2018. Foundervine's mission is to change the face of global entrepreneurship by helping black and ethnic minority people become entrepreneurs by providing accelerator programs and ongoing support to turn their business ideas into reality. In the last two years, it has helped over 2,000 individuals. first read about Izzy in a profile piece by Liam Kelly in the Sunday Times. I invited her to number 10 and was blown away by the energy and enthusiasm that she and her founding team, Cecil and David, had. I'm very proud to play a small role in their success by sitting on Fanvine's advisory board. Previously, Izzy was a consultant at KPMG and is a non-exec director at Capital Enterprise and was a global trustee of Parkrun. So Izzy, welcome to today's show. Can you tell us about the inspiration behind FounderVine and how you took the plunge from working at KPMG?
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. In terms of the inspiration for FounderVine, so I always talk about what it was like growing up in a part of London where there was so much ambition, but not necessarily as much opportunity to utilize that ambition in a helpful way and I saw lots of young people around me kind of fall into things that didn't make the most of who they are and what they could do and so I was always interested in business and building communities in some way and I thought that would look like a career in politics for me and um, it was only after sort of working in the business sector that I realized that there was so much more we could do in helping people start businesses and start social enterprises and really be at the forefront of all of the changes we were seeing in our economy and that's kind of where Foundervine came in, providing an opportunity for people who have great ideas to build those ideas with the support of a ready-made community of mentors, advisors and people who can introduce them to other people um, and just help them grow ideas that way.
0: And so can you tell us a bit more about the different programs that you run? I know that one of the most popular is Startup 54, for example.
1: Yes, so we run uh, sort of four main types of programs. They're all designed for different stages in a future founder's journey. So we start with our Entrepreneur in a Day programs, where we go into schools and universities and get young people thinking about enterprise and digital skills. Then we have the Startup 54 program, which is designed for idea stage entrepreneurs who are actually serious about sort of taking those ideas further in just a kind of short sharp intervention and then we have our pre-accelerator programs which are designed for early stage ideas who need a bit more support in order to sort of generate revenue and take the first steps into launching the product and then we have our accelerator programs which are designed for uh, more established entrepreneurs who are looking to raise their first round in funding, expand their client base, etc.
0: So you you provide the kind of full suite of things, don't you, in terms of aspirational mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. It can be anyone you know, w- without an idea or right through, as you were just saying, to those ones that are, are willing and ready to scale up a bit more.
1: Absolutely. And we recognised from the very beginning that um, if we were going to make the impacts that we wanted and really build on that mission of changing the base of entrepreneurship then we couldn't just work with existing entrepreneurs who had already done all of the hard work in order to get there but we needed to think about the pipeline as well and actually supporting more people to enter the digital tech industry supporting more people to think about self-employment as an option as well.
0: It's only been going a couple of years, but you've had such rapid growth. What's been the proudest sort of moment that you've had so far along the way?
1: I think for me, one of the proudest moments um, that will stay with me for the rest of my life was when, I presented Founder Vine to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at Buckingham Palace earlier this year. Actually, a week before lockdown. So glad it was able to happen. Um, That's definitely a, a real standout moment for me.
0: Absolutely. I and mean, what did they say to you during that?
1: They were brilliant. We had quite a long conversation about um, the importance of helping more women into enterprise, um, to expanding opportunities for young people globally and i shared a bit more about you know my background and kind of what guided me and you know they were really receptive and ended up kind of sharing a bit more about their story and what they're up to at the moment and it was just genuinely quite a lovely opportunity to meet two genuinely quite lovely people
0: yeah it must have been an incredible experience i'm really curious to understand where you think as a sort of leading entrepreneur in the UK about where the future jobs are going to be coming from because we live in such a changing world at the moment there's so much information out there that it can be so difficult to kind of process it all and so forth where do you in the next 3 to 5 years see the economy moving and you know what skills will be required for the future
1: when it comes to jobs at the moment it's such a fascinating time we've kind of seen the pandemic lead to a string of new innovations designed to help us cope more in, with remote working and cope more in kind of digital environments where we're by ourselves more than we ever have been before. And we're also seeing an increased um, consciousness around race as a result of Black Lives Matter and around other forms of diversity. That means that we are kind of moving towards, at least in the digital sector, a kind of space in which I hope we're going to have much more inclusive innovation and also slightly different thinking when it comes to how we work, what our workplaces look like, how we communicate with each other, all of those kinds of things. In terms of the skills that we need for that, now more than ever, where young people are really, really worried about what getting a job after university looks like, about what actually going to university looks like at the moment. We need to be investing in platforms that allow young people to build digital skills, understand, you know, how they can contribute to innovation, you know, how they can engage with AI and machine learning and really be part of the innovation that we're seeing in our communities at the moment. And... A big part of my work is speaking to founders, meeting founders of various tech startups. And we have a diversity problem and we have a problem that stems right from the very beginning of our education system, which doesn't prioritize practical learning and non-theory based learning. And there's a lot more work that I think needs to be done there.
0: That's so interesting, the points that you make there. I mean, the diversity issue is so important and so many different aspects of diversity as well, because I think we can all be rest assured that at the moment, the UK isn't making the full use of all of the talent that it has. Uh, It was going to need to do that before the pandemic anyway, but it's so crucial now. And you talk about the practical sort of skills as well. Mm. And... Perhaps you could just talk us through a bit more about sort of the Founder Vine program, the different aspects of it, and what you actually sort of practically teach people as well. Because one of the things that you know this show looks at is how we can kind of future-proof the skills that people require. And whilst your mission is about changing the face of global entrepreneurship there's so much more you've talked about in terms of upskilling people in the digital world and people can do the courses and they don't necessarily have to turn out to be an entrepreneur at the end of it but they can gain some skills.
1: Yeah so for me the future of education is not just around providing young people with the skills that they've been kind of learning so far and kind of if you look at a curriculum that I don't know if it's necessarily in line with the jobs of the future and so our programs are very much about giving young people a much more immersive experience and that means linking them in with inspirational role models who come from a wide range of communities that you know can mentor them and coach them and help them actually kind of learn about building new products and starting new projects. A huge part of our work, in addition to training, is actually providing opportunities to build confidence as well and understand how to network and to meet employers. All of our programmes take place, uh, at least when they were offline, all of them took place in corporate offices, for example, and that's very intentional. It's bringing in young people who are at the stage of thinking about their careers into the offices of companies who are genuinely committed to providing those opportunities. And so we balance a sort of technical training with opportunities to meet people who can help you grow, the opportunity to kind of build a very practical knowledge of the skills that you need for a, a very shifting economy and to also meet prospective employers as well.
0: Could you um, talk us through a couple of the mentors that you have that come in on the programme and help dispense that advice?
1: Absolutely. So we have a group of professionals that we call the Vine Fellows, and they are business professionals across investment, across public sector, private sector, who all commit to giving their time to helping young people grow in different ways. And if I had to pick sort of two of them who immediately come to mind, one of them is... Czech Warner, who is the co-founder of Diverse TVC and the co-founder of Ada Ventures, which is a venture capital firm that's raised 30 million and counting to invest in diverse founders. And Czech speaks very openly about the need, not just to encourage more diverse founders, but to encourage more diverse investment professionals to invest in those founders. So it's fantastic having her as part of the platform. We also have people like Gabby Kahane who is a founder of an organization called Multiple and he is also an angel investor and gives a lot of time to coaching our founders across our programs and it's exposure to people like Chek and Gabby that really make the difference for our founders, people who would otherwise be quite difficult to access and where we're able to combine practical training and insights and knowledge and very interactive elements with meeting people like that and getting feedback from people in these roles. I think that's where the magic
0: really happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important for people to be able to get that sort of interaction and and so forth. And particularly as things have moved online, I mean, how do you think that's going to change sort of jobs of the future and so forth? I mean, you've had quite a lot of success in the last six months at moving everything online. It was easier than we perhaps all thought, but you've had some particular successes over the last six months. But yes, how would you think that the future will be shaped by sort of offline and online learning
1: yeah it's so interesting to see the innovation that's happening in the learning space at the moment and a huge part of our work is looking at not just the work we do with corporates as i have mentioned but working with educational institutions and with local government and that's been an interesting one for us in that there are lots of educational institutions who are thinking what does university actually mean if we can do everything online at the moment and we're not necessarily set up in the way to provide not just Learning, but the kind of pastoral support we provide for our students, and so we've been working with a number of universities across the UK, helping them understand what digital engagement looks like, not just from an academic perspective, but from a careers education perspective as well, and from a local government perspective, we've been working with councils to train local residents in some of the skills they'll need to help their businesses survive or to launch businesses for the first time during a pandemic, and. It's It's fantastic to see the amounts that we've been able to achieve and the quality that we've seen come through the digital programs. One thing I would say is that there is something very flattening about digital learning and that it allows people to engage in that learning from everywhere. And I think that London sometimes has a bit of an exclusivity problem where people from outside of London can feel like they are not part of what's happening. They're not part of the digital tech scene or whatever it is because they're not physically here. Whereas now they can be. And we've had mothers join our programmes who are nursing infants whilst taking part in it. We've had people who traditionally wouldn't have been able to buy an Oyster card ticket to go into Zone 1 who have been able to participate in our programmes now. So something very levelling, I think, in some ways about having digital learning at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's so inspiring. And long may it continue that sort of blended future in terms of people allowing the kind of access through the online ways of that, but then also bringing people together in the physical space as well. I think that's, it's very exciting. And so what are your sort of ambitions? I mean, you have the very bold kind of mission statement of changing the face of global entrepreneurship. And how are you going to do that over the next five and 10 years? You know, what are your ambitions for FounderVine? How big can it go?
1: We are very excited about what we've been able to do so far with FounderVine and you know we started as a group of management consultants and professionals who are just really frustrated by not seeing ourselves represented in what is a rapidly growing digital ecosystem and so to even have got here working with the sort of partners that we're working with is absolutely brilliant and what the next five years looks like for us is increasingly building, accelerating programs and other kinds of training programs that help young people build the skills and experiences they need to navigate a really changing economy it also looks like increasingly partnering with investment firms and corporate investors to provide entrepreneurs with the funding that they need to grow more sustainable businesses and so we're really looking at that into the moment what investment readiness looks like for our communities what access and opportunity look like for our communities and how ultimately we can not just deliver programs for entrepreneurs, but be an advocate for diversity and inclusion within the wider business sector as well.
0: That's brilliant and so tremendously exciting. So talking a bit more about the kind of immediate future now, Izzy, I know that you've been on a hiring spree over the last few months and so on, but what sort of skills are you anticipating hiring directly into the Founder Vine team over the next year? And what particular skills do you look
1: Yes, we have been hiring at the moment for a variety of roles, mostly in our programmes team, as the number of programmes that we run grows significantly. And it's been a really exciting time for us. But we've also been hiring in junior roles, so interns who can come in and support our work. And so I'm thinking a lot about mindset at the moment you know the government's recently announced this kickstarter program we're having a conversation about what employment looks like in the future for 18 to 24 year olds who have a lot of ambition but not necessarily coming into the best job market at the moment so i'm hiring for mindset at the moment. And we're about to go out for a few more roles, which will be internships at London Living Wage for 18 to 24 year olds who are looking to build their skills within the training space and the startup space. And for us, it's so important that we're able to provide not just the opportunity to support young people who are kind of scrappy and ambitious and are looking for something but to really be part of that conversation about what employment prospects look like and how organisations of all sizes can make sure that they are building inclusion into their hiring at the moment so that's quite a big part of our work.
0: So when you talk about mindset what are the kind of key attributes that define mindset that you're
1: looking for? So for me when I meet potential team members or sort of people who want to work with us in different ways, you can always get a sense of someone who's thinking a lot bigger picture and who's kind of coming into the situation knowing that there are different kind of parts that connect and At a systems level, what does this look like in the future? So for me, mindset is being able to kind of cast your mind outside of the immediate role that you're applying to and think about the different connections and linkages and ways that you can add value, like go beyond the scope in front of you. Excellent.
0: And just talk a bit about that sort of program manager role, because that is something that you're sort of hiring for on a regular basis. What does a program manager do?
1: So program manager ultimately ensures the successful design and delivery of programs of various kinds and that could be a training program it could be some kind of mentoring scheme we run quite a range of programs internally but having someone who is there to essentially oversee that make sure that everything happens to plan and that it's evaluated successfully as well
0: Yeah. So it's quite an exciting role, which needs a variety of skills then.
1: Absolutely. And again, going back to that mindset, looking beyond the role, we're a growing startup where even though you have a job description in front of you, it's likely you're doing about 70 things outside of your role. And so having someone who's able to see the bigger picture and see the kind of strategy that we want to put forward. So for example, coronavirus has pivoted us and kind of forced us into thinking about what blended programs and what digital programs look like in the future and we have 30 or so individual products and we know we could sort of have four times that many. And so having programme managers who are able to work on proposition development and kind of feedback, what they think that looks like in addition to their core role is something that we'd really hire in for as well.
0: We talked about there's been, you know, sort of 2000 people that have come through the Founder Vine programmes over the last couple of years and a number of them have gone to set up sort of successful businesses and so forth. What skills are they looking for at the very outset? Do you think what's the most commonly sort of desired skills that people are hiring for?
1: Yeah, so when it comes to founders, we often find that there's generally two types of founder. There's a founder who's super passionate about their products and just very kind of product oriented and who is looking for a co-founder or team members who are able to add value in building out the commercial elements of it. Or you get the founder who is a lot more commercially minded, but who is looking for technical support in building out that product. And so we often find one or the other, you know, someone who's got a great idea and is working on that idea and has something really fantastic, but who needs support when it comes to marketing that, talking to clients, you know, building out operations in different ways. And then on the flip side, you've got the founder who is fairly okay with that kind of stuff and who's looking for a technical co-founder who can help them build that product, or who's looking for a technical team to support in building that product. So that's what we're hearing when it comes to people who are looking for early co-founders or team members.
0: Yeah. So it's almost opposites. Track that you're trying to find, then you tend to perhaps get internal technical people that can build the product and so on. And then there's the generally the co founder, perhaps a bit more external facing on the marketing side, the sales side, which is so important as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And is there a story that you've been a part of at any point in terms of a very serendipitous hire, whether that be yourself or whether that be someone that you came across and hired? Could you just perhaps tell us a little bit about? particular instance when that happened?
1: Sure. I think one of the best hiring stories for us was at the very beginning. So in the beginning, I had an idea, kind of like the founders that I've just described. I had an idea and no idea how to Build it, and I brought on a mentor of mine, so someone who had coached me when I was about to do a sort of TEDx talk in mid 2017. And he really sort of shined to me. He helped me with that TEDx talk, and when I was thinking of building out this product, also gave me advice, and just never stops giving me advice. And <laughs> that person is David uh, Faseo, who's now my board of directors, co-founder in many ways, and he for the last three years has been that advisor figure and so it goes back to something I always say to founders about the importance of networking and building that community around you from the very beginning because you never quite know who's going to be pivotal to your business growing who's going to be pivotal to your career and taking that opportunity to ask for help can often be hugely significant in the direction the business goes in.
0: I think that's one of the key points, isn't it, is actually reach out and ask people for help because people are more willing than you think at times, perhaps to lend a helping hand and so forth. So I think it's a really important point. People are generous with their time if you can approach them at an event or you know, even via email.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I always think that if you are able to make yourself both interested in them and interesting to them, then that's that sort of magic combination that allows you to have a mutually beneficial relationship as opposed to them feeling like you're not necessarily valuing their time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good. There's so much information about people out there now that it doesn't take long to do a bit of research and follow up with them about some of the things they've said and so forth. I think that's a a great point. What was the uh, worst job or the most boring job that you've ever had to do?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't say it was the worst job, but the least interesting job that I've had to do so far was filing documents at a charity when i was about 15 years old so it was my work experience job and i was essentially an admin assistant at a small charity in south london it was quite boring to be honest but i learned a lot about working in an office environment and how to get ready for a day at work and be on time and all of that good stuff you're supposed to learn when you're 15 i can't say it wasn't necessarily riveting work
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I remember a time when I had to fold about 450 napkins for an event in a very specific style. <laughs> and uh, yeah, taught me I never wanted to do that again. So um, look
1: where you are now.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, quick fire one most memorable book you've read recently?
1: The most memorable book that I've read recently was Homegoing which is a book by an author called Yaa Gyasi. And it's a fantastic story of the history of African people. It starts in 18th or 17th century Ghana and works its way through right to the United States and back again. And it's a beautiful narrative that I think is so important in these times where we're all asking ourselves who we are and what our purpose is. And so that's my definite recommendation for anyone who's interested in a bit of really informative fiction home going
0: brilliant and finally what's the best piece of advice you've ever received
1: the best piece of advice i've ever received so it was i can't remember her name for the life of me but i remember about 10 years ago i was watching a woman who very accomplished in her field talking about the importance of humility And she said something along the lines of when it comes to achievements and failure in life, you should always treat it like a pendulum and make sure that you're centered in that middle. And so there'll be lots of times in your life where really brilliant things happen and you've got this kind of really excited about it and kind of make your head grow a little bit larger. Always just center yourself. And, you know, there'll be times where things don't go so well. And, you know, you have failure and you don't get what you wanted, you know, that job doesn't come through that funding doesn't come through whatever and if you're centered and you always have a strong sense of who you are and what you're about and a deep sense of mission then you can't be swayed too far in either direction so i've always tried to maintain life on that pendulum
0: i think that is a particularly when the pendulum has been swinging so much this year in so many directions for all of us i think that is very astute advice to finish on so izzy thank you very much for joining us on jimmy's jobs of the future that has been a fascinating discussion thank you so much for spending the time with us
1: thank you for having me
0: that was a great chat with izzy summing that up i would say prime minister we met with a great company this week called founder vine entrepreneur behind the organisation is called Izio Bang. She left her role as a management consultant two years ago to set up an accelerator for black and ethnic minority founders. Whilst they have only been going two years, they have already seen 2,000 people pass through their programme and are working more with local governments to make sure their expertise gets to those who need it most. They are expanding now so that it is not just purely entrepreneurial skill sets they are providing, but a full immersive education experience where people can gain ongoing mentoring, for example. They also are working with employers, providing a diverse talent pipeline to corporates. Many of their courses are held in corporate offices so that the attendees can understand more about business life. On General Careers Council, this is the fourth entrepreneur we have now had on Jimmy's Jobs of the Future as we reach the halfway point of this pilot series, a recurring theme, is that they left a job to solve a problem they themselves have encountered. Another theme that we have heard consistently is about demonstrating mindset. Izzy was clear that the mindset she is looking for is that you have to be able to see the bigger picture of an organization and the ability to make linkages and connections across the company. That was a very similar point to what Hayden, the founder of the renewable energy company Bulb, said in our very first episode. It is not an easy skill to be able to demonstrate, particularly when looking at a company from the outside. But it was interesting to note the way that Izzy approached one of her board directors and fellow co-founders David. She'd watched the TEDx presentation and approached him afterwards. In the Pip Jameson episode, we talked about how she gets close to 60 requests a week for advice. You have to do what Izzy talks about. Make yourself appear interested and be interested in the person. Find something they have written or said and provide a hook for when you approach them. Another thought-provoking moment from Izzy were her comments about what university actually stands for now that all lectures can be provided online. If, in theory, everyone can be taught by the world's best professors through laptops, what will universities actually be for? They'll probably be for meeting, connecting and collaborating with people directly. As Catherine Parsons has previously said, education hasn't been disrupted for perhaps close to a century and one of the great benefits of the pandemic is that we'll probably find a much better education system at the end of it although I realize that provides little consolation to those currently studying at university. As I said at the start of the interview I play a small role in Founder Vine success by sitting on their advisory board and one of the things I undertake for them is judging some of the people that have been through the cohorts. The quality of pitches is outstanding you can tell the likes of Check Warner and Gabby Kahane helped them along the way. The way the pictures are designed, structured and presented are on a similar level to those that I saw when I was studying at Stanford. The vast majority of listeners in this podcast, so far as I can tell, are white and well-educated. So please do think of sharing Founder Vine and this episode with people who could really benefit from it. Thank you to all of those of you that are listening and sharing this so frequently. This podcast is now being listened to right across the globe in 50 countries and on every continent. I'm particularly enjoying those of you that are sharing it and telling me where you're listening to it, whether it be Mark Corbett on his runs or Dan on his 6am dog walks. The next couple of guests are Sarah Wood, who founded the digital advertising place Unruly after transitioning from a career as a university lecturer and is the author of a book called Stepping Up, Accelerating Your Leadership Potential, which is a really great read for anyone thinking about their career. And also we have the legendary venture capitalist, Pete Flint, who has been involved on the founding team of two billion dollar companies, LastMinute.com and Trulia. I have been spending the last year thinking about careers, and how you go about transitioning them. And Pete's article on the NFX website entitled How to 10x Your Career is perhaps the most succinct piece I have read on the subject. It's going to be great to talk to him about it. I have copied the link into the show notes. If you have any questions, please send them through and I'll try and incorporate them into the interview. You can get in touch with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Jimmy's Jobs. This interview marks the halfway point of the pilot series. We have now just over 60 ratings on iTunes. It would be amazing if we could get that close to 100 by the end of the pilot series. It makes a real difference for those looking to discover us. Thank you to all of you who've rated us so far and many thanks to all of you for listening.